if you could do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy, if you could throw us down a couple blessings, you know, like one that I don't mess up being a manager. Uh, we're just three cats and never played a single snap. Here to tell you how to draft when the ship and run it back. The stats ain't tell the story, this is the story of the stats. You can stick it to your friends, what's more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals. We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all the titles. Stick to the path and follow us disciples. The only sin is math, and all you need is the Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. It's the fantasy Bible. Bible. Taking it easy. It's the fantasy. Some might say... Too easy. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> uh, you're close, Stan. You're close on that one. I was actually going for big easy. Ah, uh, yeah, the big easy. Can you tell me why I, I was going for big easy? Oh, by the way, I'm your host, Nathan Biner. Here with me today is Dan Vega. What up, fam? Because uh, this podcast so mean. We saw New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible Lil Wayne. Yeah, I'm uh, not Lil Wayne. But yes, we are traveling to New Orleans for our annual destination draft. And as such, we are doing a New Orleans draft special. Kicking things off with a little from great to crepe, which uh, I realize actually reads better on paper than it sounds. Yes. It kind of looks like crap, but it doesn't sound like that, but it's a really good pun when you read it. From great to crepe, uh, ranking quarterback and wide receiver stacks. Uh, then we'll get into when the lev knee breaks, ranking top running back handcuffs. And then finish things off with just some New Orleans-inspired draft advice, what, what you can take uh, from your time in the Big Easy and, and how you can apply that to your draft. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, me too. I mean, this is just like to hype ourselves up, to hype the group up, to hype everyone who has drafted already and is yet to draft. Uh, I do have one um, quarrel here with the, the the titles for the segments. You know, from great to crepe, it's actually crep is the proper pronunciation. Of it. Oh, so it kind of does work. From great to crep, that kind of yeah, it kind of does that, work. That, that works. It's You're not right. crepe. It was intentional. <laughs> yeah. So I just was going off the uh, the spelling more so than the pronunciation there. But uh, yeah. it turns out I had the pronun- pronunciation uh, wrong to begin with. <laughs> so, um, all right. I, th- I think you, you wanted to touch on uh, some news before... Uh, I did. Segment. Uh, and you can also find us at Fantasy Bible Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or our website, thefantasybible.substack.com. And just a couple brief news points. I mean, big I kind of feel obligated. Big things on the website, by the way. Yeah, big things. Big uh, things. Nate has become a full-time fantasy uh, football writer, so that's going to be prolific as the season develops. Yes, full-time in addition to my actual job. I will be now working 80 hours a week. Um, no one's yep. hired me. I'm just going to be doing it. So look forward to that. <laughs> yeah. So brief news segment. I mean, Brian Robinson, rookie running back for the Washington commanders. They are now called, uh, was shot in an attempted robbery slash carjacking. Um, you know, T's and P's to that guy. I hope he's doing well. He does sound like he's doing well. Got released from the hospital. Surgery went well. Um, but, you know, being the gluttonous podcast we are, we have to, really key in on the fantasy football implications of this. Um, so Antonio Gibson was kind of like a huge fade up to this point. Uh, rumor was that Brian Robinson, the guy who got shot, 
and will not play for an extended unlimited, you know, undetermined amount of time this season uh, was kind of the guy, the one and two down running back ahead of Gibson, according to some beat writers. So I guess the long winded question I'm asking is, does this raise Gibson's value? Is he now like a steal in the draft because Brian Robinson will not be there to spell him on early downs? Uh, yeah, obviously feel for Robinson, a guy that was really seemingly about to take the league by storm, at least the way he would immediately sort of seized onto that um, starting role there in Washington. Uh, but I guess we have to talk about it like we would any other uh, injury, which I guess it ultimately is for the purpose of fantasy football. Um, I think obviously, yes, Gibson probably does gain some value, but we really don't know enough about the injury timeline here. Um, I was doing some reading about this and a player mentioned that they, or player, excuse me, uh, someone had mentioned that a player on, I believe the Vikings had once been uh, shot and returned to the field within five weeks. Now, obviously (laughs) every gun injury is completely different. And I don't know anything really about this one, except that he was um, shot in the lower body um, shot in the knee apparently, but Mm -hmm. not uh, uh, in in a way that severed any ligaments or anything like that. Um, So just a a bizarre situation. So I think it's one of those where you kind of have to wait and see, and it's probably a situation where they're going to be a little bit sensitive to talk about the football nature of it for good reason and and may just sort of um withhold any sort of timeline announcements and and just talk about how they're kind of focused on 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 getting him uh healthy but uh yeah uh scary for him uh glad he's all right and uh yeah for gibson i as uh my uh hot take sort of suggested i am i, I am higher on gibson mm-hmm. um than than the gym public generally seems to be. And this certainly doesn't lower my opinion of his value. Yeah. This would probably bridge the gap between you and I to where you were comfortable drafting him before this unfortunate news. And it probably makes me feel a lot more comfortable drafting Antonio Gibson and like the sixth round, his ADP might skyrocket by the time we draft in uh, what, four days. So um, yeah, something to consider, something to monitor. Brian Robinson, probably not, worth a draft pick right now in redraft leagues. But uh, if you have an IR slot and he's eligible for that, you can always throw him on there and then hope for the best. Uh, we all wish him the best. He's probably my new like favorite underdog player replacing James Robinson in my heart. Like I, I really do think I'm going to be rooting for this guy to come back in, in a storm. So yeah. And if I were to step out of my role as an Eagles fan and yeah. uh, empathize with commanders fans, um, you know, it's it's going to be great for them to have something good to root for uh, yeah. instead of, you know, the Dan Snyders and the Carson Wentz's. Of, you know, <laughs> um, not to conflate those two people, definitely very far ends of uh, sure. the, the spectrum. But um, all right. Next item here, I believe, is Kenyon Drake signing with the Ravens. Yeah, that is correct. Um, Gus Edwards still injured, will not be playing for the first four weeks. He's on the pup list. Uh, J.K. Dobbins not on the pup list, so he will be eligible to play week one. But we have, you know, a lot of uncertainty on what kind of workload he's going to get, whether he's fully healthy, whether he can handle it. Um, so they did choose to sign Kenyon Drake, who was released from the Raiders uh, very shortly before this news broke. 
Um, my biggest question, do we care? Like, is, is he going to have meaningful snaps for a fantasy football roster to where you can feel comfortable starting him by the time Gus Edwards get, gets back? Cause I mean, they had Mike Davis, uh, you know, journeyman veteran running back on the roster already. Does this just kind of create like a cloud of uncertainty around who we can start in the first few weeks for the Baltimore Ravens? So I think we need to care in the in the aspect of J.K. Dobbins is the best player in that room. And I think this further suggests that while he, they're hoping to have him ready to go from week one, I have I have doubts that he's going to be handling a, a full workload that early. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he is he even able to get into that first game, um, you know, his every knee injury is different and his was particularly rough. And I know it's been a uh, from from report he's seem seemingly laboring back a little bit at least early on um from that injury trying to gain back his uh ex- explosive nature although i do believe that's going to happen i just think week one is a little early for that and i think this is kind of a sign of that but i think as you alluded to it's very similar to what they did last year where you had latavius murray and Devonta freeman and all these running backs sort of splitting uh, carries and and one would lead the backfield one week and then maybe for two weeks and then it would kind of shift or someone else would get injured. So I think it's going to be similar to that where um, we're just going to have to watch and see this mm-hmm. Ravens backfield week one. But I definitely wouldn't be drafting Kenyon Drake at all. Um, Me neither. Uh, maybe he's a priority waiver pickup, but week one you should have better starting options than Kenyon Drake, and he shouldn't be relevant long enough to you know warrant a bench stash. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think this just adds further doubt onto drafting J.K. Dobbins. Um, I wouldn't want him as my running back two. I'd feel much better if he's my running back three and I have the option, the luxury to wait on starting him in my roster. And moving on to Jimmy G. Uh, he is now extended with the 49ers through this year. Um, so Restructure his contract. Yeah, so he's still on the 49ers. So much trade rumors uh, throughout the offseason thought he could go a million places. No one had interest, didn't get traded, thought he might be cut today. He was not cut, instead restructured his contract to be a more team-friendly deal, open up some cap space, and also give him incentives if he does actually have meaningful playing time with the 49ers. I think this really protects the 49ers as a franchise, gets their playoffs hopes uh solidified gives them an an outlet if Trey Lance is not ready which could be the case so I guess for fantasy football Trey Lance has kind of kind of been like a a late round highest upside quarterback you can draft in later rounds Uh, to me this doesn't change what he'll do Trey Lance in the early season but it does cast a lot of doubt on his season-long potential and I think that there's a very real possibility we get Jimmy G a few weeks into the season whether it's four six eight ten I don't know but his season long outlook is really in question now, I think. Do you think, and uh, maybe this reveals an ignorance of, of NFL machinations here, but is this at all about uh, making Jimmy G easier to trade? I think it is very much part of that. Yeah. So by doing this, they, you know, up to this point, they had no leverage. They had no trade partners. They couldn't have traded him. They would have had to cut him. And by doing this, it allows the 49ers to get a third round compensatory pick at the end of the season if he goes elsewhere. So it's a really savvy move from like a front office perspective for the NFL. 
Um, and it does make him much easier to trade because he won't be fresh off a soldier, uh, shoulder surgery, which was the main reason he wasn't traded at all this off season. So it gives them a lot of room to move well, on. And with. he has a substantial contract, right? So like mm-hmm. either the team would have had to take that on the books or the tr- team that's trading with them. And now right. that that's restructured to a significantly lower amount is what, what I believe. So mm-hmm. I think it's like maybe Jimmy, is also interested in starting elsewhere. And this, like he knew this is his best chance of maybe making that happen. I have, I have no idea, but I'm not sure. How does it affect your opinion of Trey Lance? To me, it, it's definitely, I would have definitely preferred Jimmy G wasn't on the roster quite right. frankly, because Trey Lance was kind of uh, someone that, uh, you know, I was pretty high on from a QB sleeper perspective but now it, there's definitely some uncertainty there. Although I don't think it would be, I mean, it wouldn't be difficult to grab both of them in a draft, but Jimmy G isn't going to do for your team what Trey Lance would do. Right. It doesn't change my perspective of what I think Trey Lance can do for your football team as a weekly starter in the NFL, but it certainly casts doubt on whether you truly lock up a position like even if uh like let's say jimmy g wasn't there and let's say trey lance wasn't really the quarterback we thought he was going to be he was still going to be fine for fantasy based on his rushing yeah, he floor was and get 20 points a week yeah. right so that never was a concern but now it is because if he's just barely skating by and he's still producing for fantasy he's probably going to be a top 10 quarterback for fantasy when he's starting but if he's not performing at an nfl level that comforts kyle shanahan and the 49ers playoff hopes and beyond now you have to worry you're playing quarterback roulette every single week like everyone else so it adds uncertainty i don't think he's going to drop much in my rankings maybe half around i'll definitely grimace a little bit if i choose to draft him but when he's healthy he's going to start the season as the starter so you know i don't doubt his production early in the season it's really mid to late there is one item not on the news here that i think we should touch on please do go for it Marlon Mack released. Oh, yeah. It's Damian Pierce season, everybody. Take Damian Pierce as early as you want him. Yeah, so for those who don't even know what team we're talking about yet, (laughs) (laughs) it is the Houston Texans who have rookie Damian Pierce who's been lighting it up uh, in preseason and in camp. Um, He's, he's what, a third, fourth-round running back? I think fourth yeah, fourth round running back. So you don't expect a lot from those guys, but he's coming into real but opportunity very here. Very interesting profile as well. Like partially a fourth mm-hmm. round running back because of such low uh, rushing production in college, but also playing for a play caller that uh, wasn't the brightest in Dan Mullen and also was kind of like a pass first offense. And, you know, even Kadarius Tony was also getting a lot of backfield opportunities, split backfield, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, not necessarily talent deficiency, but production deficiency. Yeah. Yeah. And so this really just opens the door wide open for Damian Pierce to get all the touches that we were hoping he was going to get. I mean, behind him on the depth chart, it was Marlon Mack, who is now cut from the team. Then it's uh, like 31 year old Rex Burkhead, who is not going to be a workhorse. He's going to be a supplemental piece at best. And then Dare Ogunbowale, who was like the third running back on the Jaguars behind James Robinson and some other guy that I failed to remember the name back when James Robinson was a breakout uh, UDFA. Michael Armstead. Yes. So like he has no me. competition. Yeah. Good, good pull, dude. Good brain right now. Um, well, because I remember because <laughs> you and I were talking about it and I was like, James Robinson, no way. 
I was big on James Raquel Robinson. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. Uh, he unfortunately got COVID and missed the season while James Robinson went on to do James Robinson things. Yeah, so big higher outlook uh, for Damian Pierce after this news breaks. And anyone who drafted before this and has him on your team, you're feeling really good about it. He's going to probably increase by a round or two, maybe two and a half, maybe three at the most in some leagues. Uh, as far as ADP goes, he's going to be going... I would estimate as early as the late fourth, if somebody's crazy and most likely in the fifth or sixth round in a lot of drafts. In dynasty leagues, would you uh, trade a 2023 first round pick for him? Knowing that the we're, we're about to get like a historic, allegedly historic running back class. I don't think I would trade a first, but if I had a late first and I knew it was going to be a late first I'd consider it, but I'd want to like a little sweetener in the deal, like a long shot bench stash or like a third round pick third on top round. of it. Yeah. All right. Well, enough of that. Yeah. Let's take a trip to, you know, you're in New Orleans. I won't say breezy because it's not breezy. I guess I'll just say humid. It's humid, but it's, it's that, that good kind of humid where your your shirts, you know, buttoned a couple buttons. You have a, a watered down uh, tequila water lime in your hand. You're kind of just <laughs> drifting into jazz bar to jazz bar. You're having a good old time and you're ready to think about some fantasy football. So we're going to start with from great to crap ranking quarterback and wide receiver stacks. And I, I hope it's clear. It's because like crap, craps, you put them in stacks. Okay, now it's clear. Okay, I, was, I wasn't sure if that was <laughs> It was not clear at all. <laughs> uh, well, um, all right. That's why that one was that one. Anyway, uh, so uh, the way, way I kind of went about this is not dissimilar to the way I uh, went about it last year, where it's not necessarily the stacks that are going to give you the most points, but stacks that I think you should target based on how easily they are to draft like you know obviously okay. a, a, a josh allen stefan diggs staff uh stack excuse me or patrick mahomes travis kelsey stack they're great but you obviously have to sacrifice really high draft capital to get them um so they're kind of priced accordingly so these are some that i think are a, a slightly more low-key but uh, just as ex potentially explosive okay i have more of a mix to mine but i definitely planned on talking about those kind of caveats to that so all right. Um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll go first here. Uh, Joe Burrow and T. Higgins slash Jamar Chase. Ooh, I um, like you including T. Higgins there. Mad respect. I think either is good. Um, you know, I think that we saw weeks last week where T. Higgins dominated and then struggled with injury. And then I think it's we're just going to see a little bit more of that domination especially because chase wasn't a highly targeted player and maybe that increases this year but t higgins is also very talented you can get chase you'll be drafting him in the first round of course higgins late second early third depending on your league and then joe burrow you can get in the late fifth early sixth so if higgins falls to you in the early third and then joe burrow falls to you in the sixth i think this is you filled out your roster at that point and then you can just add the stack where that won't break your bank but you can count on like either chase or higgins one of those guys is going to go off week to week and maybe Chase has the more explosive high end, but I think T Higgins has the potential to be much more consistent. Um, and uh, it also gives you, if you go into the draft with kind of wanting this flex, it gives you a little bit more uh, 
flexibility because you can either go after Chase or go after Higgins, depending on your position, because some people will just be flat out of the range of Jamar Chase, but in the range of T Higgins. Um, so yeah, I, I like that. And it's also important to know that like, I feel like on a lot of teams, and this is just more of a gut feeling, but a lot of teams will have like this, this star receiver. And on the weeks when like the star receiver is covered, the distributions are spread out amongst other receivers if they don't have like a true star wide receiver too, which some, some teams do, but this is a team where they like, if Jamar Chase is getting covered, T Higgins is getting targeted and vice versa, you know? So it's, it's just uh, the, you have access to two high end performances here. And so that's why that's my, uh, my number one. Yeah, it was my third favorite on my list. So I certainly believe strongly in that stack. I didn't include T. Higgins just because I think everyone believes that Chase has the higher upside, understandably so. I also very much love T. Higgins ever since his rookie year. I've been a very strong supporter of him in all my drafts. I, you know, put my money where my podcast mouth is. So I love that. I love you talking about that because I didn't have to bring it up. Um, I'll just get it out of the way. You mentioned Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. Like if somehow you can leave your draft with that and still build out a full well-rounded roster. I mean, that is just by far my favorite stack this year, as far as the potential weekly outcome at your quarterback and wide receiver one position. I think Stefan Diggs has a very legit shot at being the overall wide receiver one on the year for fantasy. And obviously Josh Allen does. So, I mean, you're just getting the best of the best on potentially the best offense in the NFL. So it's really doesn't need much more explanation. Well, that one's just hard to, I it's mean, hard Stephon, to do. Stephon Diggs, he's going end of the first round. So you, you know, you're taking him at the end of the first round, say you take him a little early at the eighth pick. That's still probably too early to take Josh Allen there on the turn. So maybe you're hoping that he uh, falls to you in the third, which if he falls yeah. to you in the third, I don't think it's a, a terrible Ter- thing to do. I would agree. That's the best way you can make it work. Back of the first, your first round. But is Josh Allen, Diggs. Gabe Davis, to me, is far more intriguing. That's a good point. I mean, Josh Allen with any <laughs> wide receiver <laughs> is a great stack, dude. Yeah, that's a good point. I should be opening this up to a couple more wide receivers on the rest of my list. I'll think about that as we go along. But, I mean, yeah, you're looking at value here. If you're spending two of the first three round picks you have on a stack, I mean, don't force it to happen. But if it just fell to you, this would be my favorite. But, hey, if you're a Bills fan, go for it. Um, all right, well, next year I have uh, Tom Brady and Mike Evans. Nice. It's just a pretty simple formula here. You go running back in round one. You take Mike Evans as your wide receiver one in the middle of round two, whenever you're drafting in round two. Know that you're getting that floor of like a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. You take Brady last year's QB three in the eighth or ninth round, where his ADP is hovering right now. You don't even have to like break stride to do this. You don't have to reach. You don't have to like pay attention, try and target him. He'll be there probably in the eighth round, unless you're in a Florida draft, maybe a Bucks fan draft. Maybe he's going a little higher, but he's older. Uh, people have their doubts. There's that weird press conference that he just gave. Um, there's a weird energy around the Bucks. I don't buy any of it. Brady's going to be great as always. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's where I'd like to lock down a quarterback anyway. Worst case scenario, you have to take him in the seventh. Still not the worst thing. And then you dominate the first few weeks until Godwin comes back. And, uh, you know, Evans is still going to be good throughout the season, but you could also potentially sell high on him, kind of look ahead to that Godwin coming back, maybe try and sell him a week early. Um, 
But yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Stackeroni. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. The value is there. You get Tom Brady late. He's going to be a great value at his ADP. Mike Evans, top 10 wide receiver in my book this year, um, just because he's always done it. So I believe, yeah, not buying into any of that garbage about Tom Brady, blah, 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 blah. I mean, we've heard that how many years in a row? Uh, yeah, I don't care. He's going to be great. Um, another value stack that I like that's probably on your list, but I kind of want to touch on it because I've bought in at this point is Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. Oh, you have Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown higher than I do? What is this? <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm all in. <laughs> that's that's my number three, but... Uh, it's my number four, a... so it's not technically <laughs> higher than yours. What is this weak-willed nonsense, man? You are so... A.J. Brown so, is like on your do-not-draft list. Yeah, so it's really about like the upside case for both these guys. And I strongly believe in what it'll be for Jalen Hurts for fantasy football. I'm doubting it much more for AJ Brown, but I mean, if they both hit dude, it's one of the best values you can get for a quarterback and wide receiver stack. Like the upside for AJ Brown, he's a top 10 wide receiver. He's being drafted. What back at the second, early he's third being drafted two spots behind Mike Evans somehow. Yeah, exactly. So the upside just, is just on just, ADPA. Obviously that's going to vary, but yeah. Yeah, his upside is just right there with Mike Evans, and you just touched on that. And then Jalen Hurts will be a better fantasy quarterback than Tom Brady if things work out the way that the Eagles have shaped their offseason, which I think it will. So, I mean, Jalen Hurts, potential top five quarterback with the rushing floor. He's never going to let you down. A.J. Brown, if he's healthy, he's great, and that's all you really care about in fantasy football. So, yeah, I mean, they're up there, dude. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, that's my number three and to me, it's just a discounted version of Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. AJ Brown's going to see an absurd amount of targets from Hertz. Uh, and that stack's going to deliver touchdowns no matter what, because even if AJ Brown isn't getting a touchdown, Jalen Hurts is going to be, he had a 10 rushing touchdowns last season. That's not going to change. That's one of his greatest strengths is the ability to convert in the red zone. Um, so yeah, that's my number three. You said your number three was Joe Burrow. So that's, that's our that's our rankings there, but I do have uh, a little. Uh, we talked about the great. Now I got to talk about the crap. Uh, so mm. uh, to me, like if you have Justin Jefferson or Devonte Adams, I just want to say that I don't think there's any point in trying to lock down Kirk Cousins or or Derek Carr to uh, pair with them. I think you yeah, should I have higher higher expectations for your quarterback position. I would agree. Yeah. I mean, if I you're there, Trevor Lawrence, sorry to keep going wrong, but yeah, <laughs> that's fine. And Trevor Lawrence is going three quarterbacks behind them in ADP, I think, or two or three. Oh, yeah, he's going so, much later. And the upside there is much more exciting to me. Yeah. I would agree that if you have Justin Jefferson or Dante Adams, it's not worth like chasing the stack per se. Uh, if you fall into it, it's fine. You'll have the boom weeks when they pop off. But uh, yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr are not, anything other than a floor play at quarterback who will win you some weeks, but like also potentially lose you some weeks. So. Like Derek Carr, maybe, you know, I could maybe get it because there's the unknown element of like, okay, Devonte Adams is the best player he's ever played with. And that's right. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of interesting, but just like the target distribution there, I don't, I don't know if that stack's necessarily going to always pay off. And then Je Jefferson, I know that they have a new coordinator and I do think Jefferson's going to have an insane year, but I don't know how much it's going to necessarily inflate Kirk's value because he's been playing with Jefferson for two years now and, and the great seasons haven't like necessarily corresponded to, you know, record breaking fantasy production from cousins. 
Anyway, you ready to get into uh, when the left knee breaks, ranking top running back handcuffs? Absolutely. All right. I also have a spiel for this one. Uh, so I, I wanted to look at players, that, and this is how I kind of challenged myself, that didn't have like really any standalone value or very limited standalone value. So like A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard, Kareem Hunt, for me, were kind of off the table. Okay. Because they arguably have standalone value. Um, maybe Pollard, you could argue, is closer to a handcuff, but he's just like so overhyped in the fantasy community that he's going right next to Kareem Hunt, which to me, like, I have crazy. Kareem Hunt every day. Me of the too. Week. So, um, the, but the investment in Zeke, uh, I, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, give me your first guy here. All right. So, counting out AJ Dillon because he's the clear guy here, but, uh, uh, it's Alexander Madison, and it has to be. Uh, there's rumors he's going to be traded, but he's the clearest handcuff that if Dalvin Cook goes down, he's going to be in that three-down role and performing at like 80 to 90% of what Dalvin Cook would do. Alexander Madison has a very successful career as a backup running back. That's kind of why he wants to be traded. He thinks he deserves the running back one role on an offense, and he could arguably do it for a lot of the NFL teams that don't have a, a top-tier running back one. So... To me, the security of knowing that he will take that role on if Dalvin Cook goes down and the fact that he's proven it a few years in a row, I mean, I just don't think it's uh, very much of a question in my mind. Yeah, the production from Madison when Cook, when, when I say when, uh, because it is a, a likelihood for at least a yeah. couple of games of the season. Um, but I, I mean, I love, it's still worth it to draft Dalvin. But yeah, the production is always insane that behind like an offensive uh, line that isn't necessarily one of the better lines in the league that, it's usually at least like 80% of Cook's yeah. production. I mean, sometimes there are dead weeks, but uh, yeah, Madison is a primary. Uh, that, that's a great uh, pick there. I think I may be sort of uh, galaxy brain this one uh, to an unnecessary degree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so my number one is uh, Kenneth Gainwell, uh, running back 43 ADP of 119. So you can get him in the 12th, 13th round of fantasy drafts. Pass catching running back out of Memphis, first behind the depth chart if Miles Sanders goes down. Now, Sanders is currently nursing a hamstring injury with no timetable to return. I do think he's going to return sooner rather than later, but hamstring injury on a, on a running back, notorious for popping up throughout the season and requiring rest. Uh, so, and Sanders has also just struggled with durability in the past. Now, Gainwell hasn't looked great in camp, but looked really good in the preseason games. Um, was part of that explosive Memphis backfield that turned out players like Pollard that we mentioned before, Henderson, Antonio Gibson, et cetera. Uh, and he's running back one of, running behind one of the best uh, offensive lines in the league. And he's a third down back. He's a pass catching back, but he can also run between the tackles. So he has versatility, but he has the ability to stay on the field. I just think that uh, given the likelihood that Sanders misses sometimes and the fact that uh, the Eagles are seemingly invested in Gainwell potentially as the running back of the future uh, with uh, Sanders on a contract year, um, I think uh, I think he's a he's a good pick here. And maybe, uh, yeah, again, not the best technical handcuff in the game, but I wanted to shout out some maybe lesser known uh, or lesser targeted players here. I think that's a fair pick. I've been warming up on him as I do mock drafts and see who has upside in those later rounds at running back. And he's one of them on my list. I just 
think it's going to be hard to predict when he does well, if all the running backs are healthy, they already have a rushing quarterback in Jalen hurts. who's going to have like 700 rushing yards, probably six rushing touchdowns that caps upside. It's going to be a revolving door at running back. Like it always has been in my mind for the Eagles, or at least in the past decade uh, under multiple regimes. So Miles Sanders, when he's healthy, it's going to be hard to really trust Kenneth Gainwell other than like a flex play. And then even Boston Scott is going to work in. There's going to be a week or two where Boston Scott is the guy and it wasn't Kenneth Gainwell. So his floor, very shaky, but I mean, that's what we're after with the handcuff. If Miles Sanders goes down, he comes into a much bigger role. And and for that, I would agree that he's a great handcuff. Um, I, I, I've kind of been looking at him as a guy, maybe he can work his way into more first and second down work ahead of Miles Sanders. And maybe that happens, but um, definitely risk involved. And that's kind of baked into his ADP. That's why he's going so late. So who do you have uh, next on your list here? All right. So for me, uh, Kenneth Walker, uh, Ken Walker, I think now he wants to be called rookie running back for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, only ahead of him is Rashad Penny, who has perpetually been injured for his five year career and just barely broke out last year uh, while he was healthy. So if he's healthy, I think Rashad Penny is the clear starter on that team. They like to run the ball. Pete Carroll still the head coach, uh, but Kenneth Walker, very talented uh, second round running back picked this year by the Seahawks. Um, if Rashad Penny goes down, I do believe he'll be maybe not the three down back on every single drive, but he's going to get the most of the workload ahead of the likes of DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, who have been, you know, constantly the running back three or four on that roster, only really phasing in upon injury. They're more special teams guys and supplemental pieces. So Kenneth Walker, I think is a clear handcuff to a guy that's not even going early in drafts in Rashad Penny, but I mean, somebody's got to carry the rock for Pete Carroll. And uh, I want that guy on my team, especially when they're going so late in drafts. How long is uh, too long to hold Kenneth Walker? Like, like if you drafted him and he's not really doing anything, how long is too long? No, because I mean, isn't he going to miss some time uh, with the uh, hernia recovery? situation yeah he had i totally spaced on that i totally spaced on that so yeah that's a big problem here (laughs) oh great job by dane here um that that blows up my plan i'll make a note on my draft board for this upcoming draft (laughs) by, by the way dane uh in 2005 there was this uh hurricane called katrina Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've heard it, of it. It struck the city of New Orleans, and yeah. uh, there were these things called levees, these flood walls that were supposed to hold up, but they they broke. Um, mm-hmm. And then yeah. running backs in the NFL often um, sustain knee injuries, which require their their backups to play. And so when the left knee breaks, it's kind of like a callous kind of play on on both of those situations i wasn't sure if you 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 got that one so i did get that i hope the listeners did as well but i clearly forgot that ken walker was injured (laughs) (laughs) so you know uh when he's healthy great handcuff but yeah honestly hard to draft now if uh the uncertainty looms with the hernia i would say don't draft them yeah Uh, was he placed on the uh i mean that should tell us no he was not. He's still up in the air, undeterminable amount of time missed. So very so sketchy. To me, that seems like, I mean, I, I don't really know necessarily all the 
the background information of how that needs to be executed. But if they're not putting them on the PEP list or the PEP list is just four weeks, to me, that's that sounds like he's going to come back before four weeks. I don't know if that's the wrong read on that situation, but I think it's a fair read. They're leaving the option open to do so. But I think Pete Carroll is so optimistic about every single injury timeline for every single player he's ever coached. Like it's just, him being optimistic to me, I think realistically he won't have a meaningful workload for four or five, maybe six weeks. You know, that could change with news as we get it. So monitor that. Um, but yeah, I think the uncertainty is enough for me to not count on him for four weeks. That's the way I'm looking at it. Okay. Well, my number two, a player who is not recovering from surgery, Jamal <laughs> Williams. <laughs> God damn it. I botched that one. <laughs> Um, gosh darn it, Dane. This is a Christian podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, my Christians and Mormons. Um, so, yeah, running back 52, overall 138, essentially the last strategy of drafts here. It's got what we're looking for from the Eagles. It's got very similar situations here. We got a strong offensive line. We got a run first play caller. We got a tough runner that's beloved by his team, an injury prone running back in front of him. Uh, when Swift was out, Jamal Williams averaged 18 rushing attempts and 74 yards per game, which isn't necessarily glamorous. But if you believe that the Lions are going to take a step up this year, maybe that production also jumps and that rushing attempt uh, target is, is a large chunk of the workload that at least allows for, I would say, flex level production, which is a lot of times what you're hoping for in these handcuffed situations, if your starter goes down and you can get 10 to 12 points out of his backup, um, it's obviously not going to win you any weeks, but it'll, it'll prevent the ship from sinking. So uh, to me, Jamal Williams is one that's being very much underthought that doesn't have a lot of standalone value, but as a, as a true handcuff uh, is in a position to thrive. Yeah, I, I like that as well. He's going super late, like round 10 and beyond. So, I mean, DeAndre Swift is going like back of the first, early second in every draft. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's the guy there. If DeAndre Swift isn't healthy, he's not going to get all the touches, but he's going to get the most meaningful ones as the veteran that they can count on, that they showed they want to give work to last year when he's healthy. So, yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, I just wanted to briefly shout out two guys. Uh, Daryl Henderson behind Cam Akers, who's recovering from a – terrible Achilles injury. I mean, if Cam Akers is not able to sustain a workload that is meaningful, then it's going to be Dale Henderson. And if uh, Cam Akers gets re-injured somehow, compensating for that injury, uh, overworking other ligaments or muscles, whatever, then it's Dale Henderson who's getting those carries for the Rams, which is a great thing to have. Um, and then, oh, I'm spacing, where was it? Um, Khalil Herbert, I think, should be mentioned behind David Montgomery. Oh, that's because an interesting one. Because David Montgomery, he's like a middling running back, too, that's not really getting any hype this this draft season. And that's fair. We all know why the Bears' offense is going to be bad. David Montgomery was good down the stretch last year, but now they have a rushing quarterback full-time in Justin Fields. This offense is going to be, well, figures to be probably bottom five in the whole league. So touchdown upside is capped. But if he gets injured, I think the clear guy behind him is Khalil Herbert. He proved to be successful in that role last year. And maybe it gets muddy. Maybe they split the work. But I think he's somebody to be looking at as like your, I don't know, fourth bench piece, like late in the rounds. 
That's a good one. I kind of overlooked him. Um, that, was, that was my bad, but I think that's a strong one there because that's a player that, uh, you know, similar to like um, Tony Pallard and some of these other guys is very talented, but yeah. he hasn't had quite the upswell in uh, support like an AJ Dillon or a Tony Pollard to be going in the sixth, seventh round of the drafts. Um, so I think that that's a good target there. My number three is Hassan Haskins, uh, ADP of 228. So he is this as is free deep. as they come. Uh, same ingredients here, though. He's essentially free. There's a starter. I wouldn't necessarily call Derek What team Henry. are we talking about? Okay. <laughs> Strong point. Strong point. Uh, if you haven't heard of Hassan's Haskins, he was drafted in the fourth round by the Tennessee Titans. Uh, so Hassan Haskins is 6'2", 230, uh, so not quite 6'3", 245, which is Henry's size, but definitely the physicality that the Tennessee Titans seek when they just kind of want to grind their opponents down physically over the course of four quarters. Um, yeah, but yeah, essentially free playing behind Derrick Henry and I believe his age 29, age 28 season, somewhere around there, um, after coming off of a foot injury and a massive workload the last few years. Um, obviously people have concerns there run first play calling same recipe as a lot of these players I've talked about. Um, he also led all running backs with rushing attempts inside the five in college. So definitely kind of your goal line go-to rusher. Um, one thing I will say is Dante Hilliard is uh, ahead of him yeah. on the draft chart. I was about um, to push back with that. <laughs> so you could pick him as well, but this is the New Orleans draft special. This is for uh, first and foremost those drafting in the city of New Orleans. And one thing I know is that those drafting in the city of New Orleans are in a keeper league. So if you're looking for someone that maybe uh, has some upside (laughs) that you could also stash for uh, future seasons, uh, maybe look into Hassan Haskins. Nice pivot at the end. You saved it a little bit. I think Dontrell Hilliard is the handcuff if there is one right now, but that could change as the season goes along. The talent is there, but Draft capital, not so much. You know, it's murky, but I love Same the draft deep capital cut. as Damian Pierce. Oh, you sold me. I'm all in on this. Hassan Haskins equals Damian Pierce. Those were our lists, right? That's a. Uh, that is. With, yeah, we did it. All right. So let's get into some New Orleans themed draft advice. Let's close this out with a, a little wis- wisdom from this lovely city that uh, was brought to us by one of the biggest historic land purchases uh, in American uh-huh. history. Uh, that was a Jeopardy clue that I got right last night. So I think that deserves a shout out. How um, old are you that you're watching Jeopardy every night on the weekdays? Okay. I didn't say every night. I said last night. Uh, yeah. That seems very coincidental that <laughs> and I have the, the most episodes. recent episode of Jeopardy you no, have no, watched. No, 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 no. <laughs> I have them all recorded on YouTube TV. Oh, that's even worse. You're digging a bigger hole. I actually (laughs) knocked out like four or five at a time. All right. So you have it all wrong. Uh, Uh, Continue. Okay. So let's talk about something that's important to New Orleans. Seasonality. Okay. You want to make sure the timing of the season aligns with your goals. So if your heart's biggest desire is to do a crawfish boil. Oh, (laughs) this is my number one. (laughs) (laughs) 
But it turns out <laughs> the crawfish season is only January to June, and it's simply out of the question. That's a case of you not being aware of the, the seasonality of the situation. Yep. Um, Shout so, out travel manager, Jacob. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, obviously nothing you can do about it. You're not really going to ever be drafting in June, but uh, maybe don't hype up said crawfish boil mm-hmm. um, before doing the uh, position uh, that you get uh, paid no money to do. Um, <laughs> so... I've never paid attention to buys, but I do think looking at the NFL schedule and the seasonality of certain things can help make better decisions. So a few things that I've jotted down here, uh, early defense streaming schedules. Are you looking at which teams are playing bad opponents in the first few weeks so you can target them with the last pick of your draft? Uh, cold weather seasonality. That's a real thing. If you're deciding between two running backs and one guy is going to play in the cold, uh, when teams ride the physicality of the running back position to punish their opponents, think about guys like Damian Harris, Nick Chubb, David Montgomery, that play in that cold or potentially inclement weather towards November, December, when those matchups really matter. And then finally, look at opportunities for teams to make changes. So the Steelers start their season against the Bengals, Patriots, and Browns, which are three solid teams, solid defenses, if Trubisky struggles and they go into play the lowly Jets in week four, is that Kenny Pickett season? Uh, you know, at what point do the Jets also try and trade for Jimmy G when Wilson plays poorly? <laughs> uh, if CD Lamb or Mike Evans begin the season with an incredible target share, when do you think Gallup and Godwin will return? And what impact is that going to have on you know your potential to move on a player before their targets decrease? Uh, so just a, a little, a little, a little bit about seasonality. Yeah, I had a very much similar approach to this. Um, yeah, don't don't draft injured or suspended players because your win record might be rotten by the time it arrives. Like, mm. you know, don't plan for that June crawfish boil. But uh, if you arrive, <laughs> you know, like August or September, it's going to be spoiled rotten. You're not going to have what you thought you were signing up for. It all seemed so good when you're hyping it up for two months. But when it arrives, you might be one and five, two and four, and your hopes for playoffs might be dashed already. So, you know, plan accordingly. If you've built your roster construction up to the point where you can afford the luxury of stashing a player who's injured for six weeks, DeAndre Hopkins or whatever, you know, J.K. Dobbins, who's potentially not getting a full workload, Chris Godwin, the list goes on. But just be very cognizant of how you're building your draft and if you can afford to truly stash a player like that. Because if you're playing for the second half of the season and you're not even really a playoff contender by that point, what is what is the purpose? You just kind of shot yourself in the foot there. So, yeah, uh, you know, shout out, Jacob. Uh, you know, travel yeah. arrangements, uh, yeah. Airbnb research, brunch reservations, uh, you know, we love it all. We appreciate it, but we do really wish we could add that crawfish boil. Yeah, we all do. It's going to be forever immortalized in his, his, uh, record here. All right. Um, why don't you give us your next piece of advice? So I don't accidentally steal this one in case they are aligned. Okay. Probably not, but I wouldn't be shocked. Um, start your day off right with a bloody Mary. 
Uh, shout out our brunch schedule. That's going to be fun. I will be uh, ordering a couple of Bloody Marys. Okay, well, Bloody Marys are <laughs> disgusting. So I don't know. Oh, I like them. Um, anyway, so the point here for fantasy football, which we're still talking about, is uh, start your draft off with a solid foundation that you can count on to get you through the day of rigorous festivities that are the fantasy football season. So build that solid foundation so that you may have the luxury to draft those guys who might not be healthy for the first couple of weeks so that you can play into those upside picks in the mid to late rounds. Don't start your draft with guys who might be injured or in the first three rounds, you don't want to build a, a shaky foundation that could crumble like the levees when the crawfish uh, inevitably overrun the levees themselves. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the moral of the story is, Shoot for the stars. Yeah, I've lost it this podcast. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to finish out with, uh, with this last piece of advice here. Because <laughs> just as important as advice on, on what to do in New Orleans is advice on what not to do in New Orleans. Great uh, advice. So, you know, all of these NFL franchises, they do have a dose of evil about them. But some are just incomparably evil. Incomparably evil. Uh, you know. uh, the, or, the Eagles, you know, they use their extensive resources to fight against gun violence or raise fund for autism, funds for autism research. The New Orleans Saints, they use their substantial resources to provide public relations support to the Catholic Church for sex abuse scandals. Whoa. Look it up. This is going deep and dark. Are, are we sure we want so to go down So it's fantasy football. The moral is that you get to control every aspect of your team. Draft people that are fun to root for. Don't draft d- Don't be the guy that's wasting Whoa, you a just broke your own. <laughs> on Deshaun Watson for 12 weeks. I love it. And look, obviously talent wins out. I've drafted Tyreek Hill a dozen times on a dozen rosters. But if this is the league where you have some doubts about his performance, then maybe this is the year that you don't make that pick. You know, Matt Patricia is calling plays for the Patriots. Matt Patricia uh, indicted for gang rape. Charges were only dropped because the victim was frightened about the impact a trial would have on her career. So maybe don't draft any Patriots. They're going to suck anyway. (laughs) Oh no, you're going full scale. Oh my God. Bottom line, you know, let your heart be your guide and and maybe none of these things bother you that's fine we all need to compartmentalize and uh, disassociate at times but if they bother you even a little bit weigh that just as much as you would anything else when you're making these decisions (laughs) i have nothing to add but i loved that So we will be back next week after our, uh, our, our league of record draft in New Orleans. I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about that experience, uh, the friendships that are forged stronger, the friendships that are, are broken into cinders, um, the money that is made, the games that are won, um, the hearts that are broken, and uh, anything else that we have to add about fantasy football. Yes, I like fantasy football. Thanks for listening. Fantasy Bible Pod, fantasy Bible yep. See that you next stuff. week. Housekeeping. Peace. <laughs>